0: My name is Myra Van Alstyne. I was a little girl, very small, when my dad started drinking. As I grew older, his drinking would get really, really bad. And he took it out on my mom. And I started to hate my dad. I even wrote a letter to him. Told him I wish he was never my dad. This one time, I was in my teens. Came home from school. I don't know what his problem was, but he grabbed my mom and threw her against the wall. He left her body impression. In the drywall. He went after her. I was trying to stop him. I just got a broom and I hit him in the back of the head. He turned around and he grabbed me and threw me against the doorpost. But I got up and ran. He came after me. We had a, a pile of wood. I hid behind it because I could hear him coming. I grabbed him and I just closed my eyes and I swung as hard as I could. I just hit him until my hands were bleeding. I told him, don't you ever hit my mom or I'll kill you. Next thing I knew, the police were pulling me off of him, taking my dad away. I was 13. That was the last time my dad ever hit my mom. So fast forward to some years, my dad came and he wanted to come home. And my mom said, okay, and I couldn't understand. My sisters wanted daddy home. I didn't understand. But this was my hate. This was my my hate with this man. I said, if you could come home, he. I said, you got to stop drinking. He goes, I promise you. He goes, I return back to the Lord. And I'm like, I don't believe you. Months went by. My dad was home. He got a job. He came to church with us. Started seeing the change in what God was doing in his life. We were at church one day, and our pastor told me, we're not leaving until we fix this. So he had us sit at the altar, the front of the church. I told him everything I felt about this man. (laughs) He just sat there, broken. And I just stopped, (laughs) and I just started crying until I felt these big arms (laughs) hug me. I missed those arms. And I said, Daddy, I forgive you forgiveness was dealt so powerful at that moment God healed my dad and I's relationship I am proud to say Frank Carlston is my dad and I don't want to ever have to leave this earth without forgiving anybody because Jesus forgave me I will forgive you
1: Well, that's powerful, isn't it? At first gathering, there's a lot of people wiping away tears in that story. And maybe some of you have some trauma from your growing up years or even domestic violence. And honestly, I thought, oh, this is going to be a story of her overcoming, you know, this horrible situation. I had no idea it was going to turn into her and her dad became close again. And I got to talk with Myra between the gatherings about that incredible relationship and how God did an incredible healing um, I'm so grateful for forgiveness, aren't you? Like, we all need forgiveness. We all have people we have to forgive. Everybody has somebody they got to forgive. It's not just you. Um, And Jesus made it very clear that we need to forgive others. And so um, what a beautiful, beautiful story. Maybe God is speaking something to you already through that story, not even through the scripture yet um, in your life that you might need to do. Um, and I just want to say thank you, Myra, for uh, inspiring all of us with that incredible uh, message of forgiveness. Wow. Great. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be Matthew chapter 21. The message is entitled this, Repent and be Baptized. Uh, they kind of go together, repent and be baptized, like mac and cheese, uh, peanut butter and jelly, uh, Batman and Robin, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart. They just go together, All right. And here's the reality like like if anybody from biblical times would say this like you wouldn't like repent of your sins but not get baptized in water and you certainly wouldn't go get baptized in water until you've actually repented of your sins by your own volition. So if you've done one and not the other, it's time to get that right. And so um, we're going to talk today about repentance and baptism, and I'm going to start with Matthew chapter 21. We're going to read several stories of Jesus, two parables that he told. The first one is Matthew 21, beginning in verse uh, 28. This is what it said. Uh, "But what do you think <coughs> but, what do you, but what do you think about this?" Jesus said. So it's a parable, a story with a purpose, verse 28. Uh, he says, "A man had two sons, and he told the other son, "Son, go out and work in the vineyard today." How many don't like being told what to do? You need Jesus, all right? And, and, and so do I. Like this father just looks at his oldest son. He says, Listen, I want you to go out in the vineyard. And sometimes in some of us, we're just like, ah. Oh. And it says, verse 29, the son answered, No, I won't go. But later changed his mind and went anyways. Then the father told the other son, You go. And he said, Yes, I will. But then he didn't go. And Jesus says, which of the two obeyed his father? Not with words, but with actions. And they replied, the first. Then Jesus explained the meaning of his parable. He says, listen this. I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. That's a pretty heavy word. He says, for John the Baptist came and he showed you the right way to live. But you didn't believe him. While tax collectors and prostitutes, they did. They responded to the message, repent and be baptized, for you're a sinner. And Jesus said, and even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would see a repentant heart in this church And in our lives, that we'd be very broken and honest about our shortcomings and our need for you. And we'd respond to you in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it true that faith in Jesus is not about status or appearances? It's about humility. Thank God. It's about actual obedience. More than just your words or mental assent or a nod of your head. It's about repentance To repent means to be convicted of your sin, to be contrite over your actions and your thoughts, so much so that you change your ways and you turn away from your old way of living and you live in a way to honor God. So point number one of the message today, if you're taking notes, is this. Repentance is acknowledging your sin, right away, acknowledging your sin, and it's admitting that God's way is better than your way and turning humbly towards Him. If you're here today and you're like, God's way is good, but my way is even better. This is the altar. I'll see you here in 25 minutes, all right? (laughs) That's the lesson that we have to learn, that we may have a plan for our lives, but God's way, God's plan, is better than our plan. He's the author of life. We're creation. He's creator. We have to understand that, that he's created us, and he's designed us in such a way, and he knows what works well for our lives. Repentance, acknowledging your sin. Listen, healthy churches talk about repentance, there's a lot of churches that get in like Jesus talking about hell and demons and John the Baptist, you know, you warning people, you, you know, you better get right with God. And they're people like, we'll just kind of skip over that part, right? And I love the word repentance. Are we repentant? Are we turning from our own sin? Are we just trying to be kind of nice, good people? Like all of us have to turn from our sin. And there's a lot of sin in our lives that comes very natural to us. And by the way, you and I, if we really are honest, probably are really, really good at rationalizing our own sin. Well, God, I mean, there's people out there doing this, this, and this, so I don't think that what I'm struggling with is a big deal. And one that really breaks my heart is this, when people go, you know what? Like, it's great that Jesus went to the cross and died for the sin of the world, but I'm a pretty good person. I don't think I really needed that. Jesus, you kind of wasted your time being beaten, tortured, whipped, For the sins of the world crucified for the sins of the world now i I hope that you're like me and you just go lord i know i need a savior there's no part of me that thinks that my life is somehow worth eternity in heaven because i live such a perfect life you get to choose whether you're going to live according to scriptures or your personal preferences and you do every day i want to challenge you with this thought some people live in continual repentance i love that phrase Sometimes people are like, I have a friend. He's like, I repented when I was a kid. I I decided I asked God into my life. I repented once as a kid. I was like, once? I think I repented like seven times this week. You know, like, I must be really horrible compared to you. You know? Because repentance is continual. It's, Lord, why did I say that? Why did I think that? I need to apologize. I am sorry. I want to be different. I sincerely want to be close to you. I want to be like you. And I want you to be proud of me. So God, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Continual repentance. The other thing I want to mention to you is this. Realize, church, that there's a difference between struggling and falling down and getting back up in your walk with God than just living in your sin and not attempting to make any changes. Here's what I find. People live in a state of sin and they get comfortable there and they no longer feel any need to change. If we are living in a current state of sin and we have no desire to change We're not repentant. we got to be honest about that. Falling down and getting back up is one thing. Getting comfortable living your sin is completely another. The Bible says confess your sins to each other. Man, that's powerful. So that you may be healed. Um, If you're still only confessing to God and you don't have a close friend that you can go to and say, I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I need help. Listen, you are missing out on so much strength of a brother in the Lord or, or a sister in the Lord. Strength comes from that kind of koinonia, deep relationship. We need those in our lives. The Old Testament says this, they made their faces harder than stone and they, excuse me, they refused to repent. Ezekiel 18 says, uh, repent, turn away from your offenses, so then sin will not be your downfall. Ezekiel 18 says, repent and live. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Paul says, in the past, God overlooked ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Jesus, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents who turns to God than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I mean, are we kind of getting the picture that repentance is like the call for humanity? And then sometimes people are like, oh, you humans are you know, like mostly good. Like left to them, their own devices, humans are inherently good. And that's not what the scripture says at all. I'm sorry if you've never heard this, but the scripture says, honestly, left to their own devices, uh, like humans are inherently evil. Like we'll find a way to serve ourselves. But when the Lord comes into our lives, he changes all that inside of us. He reshapes us and molds us. Jesus said, unless you repent, you too will perish. Listen, let's be honest enough to say, I need a Savior in my life. I'm not holy. I'm not perfect. I'm not pure all the time. The Bible says all of us have sinned. And if we're honest, we can all probably agree to that. So Jesus' message, repentance, is not optional. The religious leaders didn't think they needed to repent. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes were running to the altar to repent. They're excited to repent. They're like, this is such incredible news. Like, it's good news because people like me can still have a relationship with God and go to heaven. And the religious leaders are going, I don't even need that. And Jesus has to come and say, you're so mistaken in this that the prostitutes and the tax collectors are entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. Wow. Talk is cheap. Be doers of the word. This week, uh, my family was on vacation, and, and uh, we were actually in the Bible Belt's part of America. And, uh, you know, that, when you grow up in the Pacific Northwest and you go to the Bible Belt, it is, like, crazy. Like, like, everywhere you go, people are talking about God. They're talking about the Bible. They're honoring the military. They're honoring police officers. They're talking about how great God is in the churches. And, and you're just kind of like, what is going on here? I, we went to, like, everywhere we went, we went to an escape room. And there were scriptures everywhere. I was like, is that like if we don't get out that we can get right with God? Or like, what is that about? And I'm walking around, and it's in the bathroom, and it's in the lobby, and it's in the hallway. There's scriptures everywhere. And I'm like, we are not in the Pacific Northwest. I might even tell people I'm a pastor here in this town. Like, this is (laughs) is incredible. And we met with one of our friends there who grew up in this uh, church. And and, uh, he said, you know, it's interesting. It was in the Bible about, um, you know, like there's this, oh, we're all believers. He said, but not everybody here really believes. It doesn't affect their lives. They're not all truly repentant. It's part of the culture. And that's one of the things I've always uh, loved about the Pacific Northwest is most people who really say, I believe, they're pretty sincere. um, Because in our culture up here, it's much easier to be an unbeliever. Jesus is saying to these guys, hey, this is sincere. You have to actually be repentant. You can't just like nod your head, yep, you know, raised my hand as a kid, made a prayer as a kid. Like, you actually have to live your life as if you actually have repented of your sins. John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live. He called you to repentance, but you didn't believe him. You refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Here's point number two. Many will refuse to repent. Repent. I wish it wasn't true. I wish we could stay up, you know, all dogs go to heaven, you know. Everybody's like, you know, like be a universalist. Like, all, you know, everybody's going to go to heaven one day. Don't worry about it. That's not what Jesus said at all. Throughout the scriptures, there's people who just said, no, Jesus, they, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. And he says, hey, you have a problem with materialism. You do have an idol. You have a God in front of me. And he says, well, forget it then. And he walks away. There are people today who say, uh, listen, I was born right the first time. I don't need to be born again. Man, the first time I read Jesus say, you must be born again, I was like, that makes a lot of sense, because I know there are things in my life that aren't right, and I want to be born again. I want his forgiveness. I want to start over with God. When you find your identity not in Christ, but in money, or your sexuality, or your job, or your family, or in the things of this world, your purpose is not anchored in eternity in God, but in things that help you to drift away. I love Psalm 51. If you don't know, Psalm 51 is this powerful place. And if you ever find yourself, maybe today you find yourself broken in your spirit, regretful over some choices that you've made, man, if that's you today, read Psalm 51 and saturate your soul with it. The prophet Nathan comes to David and, through a series of events, explains to him God knows that you are a murderer and an adulterer with Bathsheba. You he put her husband in the front of the line of the war, said so he would die. You had an affair with her, you had adultery with her, and you're going to marry her. And he confronts David. And you would think in that time, man, the king is going to say, who are you to judge me? Kill this man. But that's not David's heart at all. The Bible says that David, though he was king, was broken. He was sincere. He was in tears. And this is what he wrote. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, not because of me, but because of who you are, blot out the stain of my sins. Man, don't you wish that people today said, my sins are a stain on my life. Today it's like, ah, it's just sin. It's not a big deal. Probably shouldn't have had the hot fudge Sunday. That's all sin really is. Just this minor temptation. David doesn't feel that way. He's like, this is a stain of a sin on my life. He says, God, wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night, creating me a pure heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast or a right spirit within me. He's sincere. Listen, he doesn't excuse his sin. He readily admits it. I want to ask you this question. Do you readily admit your own sin? Because it's so easy to rationalize and justify. And it's everywhere. You live in a world that doesn't even believe in sin or has a cavalier attitude towards sin. So get used to saying things like this, Lord, I was wrong. Lord, I am sorry. Lord, I need your forgiveness. And live in a continual state of re- repentance when you mess up. Point number three is this. Some will admit the weight of their sin, and they will confess to the Lord with a repentant heart. Like some will refuse, but some, actually it's kind of like Jesus' parable of the soils, but some, when that word falls on them, they actually understand the gospel, and they admit the weight of their sin, and they confess to the Lord with a repentant heart. If you have your Bible, Luke chapter 18 says this. In verse 9. Jesus told a story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness. They had confidence in their own righteousness, and they scorned everyone else. Luke 18, verse 10. He says, Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself, and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of my income. And Jesus goes on to say, But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. And instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Wow! I hope that you and I have a heart like David and a heart like this tax collector. Lord, I I need you. I'm not okay without you. I know I need your forgiveness. I need your help in this life. Psalm 51, 11, do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I can almost just see David just saying, Lord, I know what I've done is wicked and I know it'd be easier for your Holy Spirit to leave me and I need your Holy Spirit. So whatever happens, God, don't take your Spirit from me. And if you're convicted of sin in your life, that means the, the convictor the Holy Spirit is still in your life saying, hey, this is not how you want to live. When, listen, when you really need to be worried is when you're living your life in sin and you feel zero conviction. Where's the Holy Spirit? God says he loves us enough to discipline us. And he sends us his Holy Spirit because he wants to convict us so we can make changes to our lives so we can spend eternity in heaven. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Come on, somebody. I am so grateful for a God who forgives us. David says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Make me willing to obey you. Do you know why David said uh, to the Lord, create me a clean heart? Because he was keenly aware of how unclean his heart had, had become. He took inventory of his life and asked God for his grace. Listen, if you deny, minimize, excuse, or somehow rationalize your sin, you'll never come to a place of complete repentance, brokenness, honesty, I need God, and I don't care who knows. I just want the Lord in my life. What a prayer. What a humble moment. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Have mercy on me. Wipe away the stain of my sin. Cleanse me from my guilt. You are the God who saves. Number four is this. Repentance is deeply personal, and it's very public. Like, a lot of us want to say, like, you know, God, I need your, I, I want to repent, but I don't want to tell anybody. Like, like, I want to get baptized, but I don't want anybody to know about it. There is, there is no, like, like, hidden, like, repent and get baptized. Like, it's public. It's a very personal thing, but it's a public decision. Peter, in Acts chapter 2, replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. Repentance was never designed to be a a private matter. It's turning from your sins. It's coming clean. It's letting God know. It's letting the devil know, demons, angels, anyone around you. I've made a decision and I'm standing by that decision. I need the Lord in my life. He is my Savior. And I'm broken without Him and I want Him in my life. I'm not worthy of heaven, but God allows U turns in my life. And I'm taking Him up on that. Listen, water baptism, number five, is not a suggestion, it's a matter of obedience to the Lord. And if you were baptized as as a baby or a child and you didn't understand baptism, like, great decision. Maybe your parents want to encourage you with that or maybe you made a decision you didn't understand. But the reality is this. Like, water baptism is like, repent and get baptized. Repentance is important. We don't get baptized without understanding what we're doing. I never push people and rush people to baptism. I was 17 years old. I started to live for God at 16. I was in this church And I remember I was, I knew I needed to get baptized, and I wanted to, because I really wanted God to, you know, I wanted to please the Lord in my life, and I knew it was a, a, you know, not just like a suggestion, but it was obedience to God. And so in those days, we used to have one uh, worship song, start the service, and then if somebody's getting baptized on a Sunday night, they walked down to a microphone, and in front of, you know, 150 people stammered out their testimony, and then they were immersed with water and, you know, prayed over. It It was a pretty cool thing, but I tell you what, it was a scary thing, and I didn't want to be there. Because God forbid, I don't do public speaking. (laughs) And I remember, this is so powerful. I remember being back there. And I think our youth pastor at the time was baptizing me. I'm 17 years old. And they're singing the song. And I'm just thinking about walking down there in front of all those people. And my heart is beating out of my chest. And I'm thinking, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Sing it again. And they sang it again. Only problem was, it just gave me 40 more seconds to be terrified, you know. And I remember going down there and and saying, this is what I said. I walked up these stairs and down into the baptistry. And I remember saying this to the Lord. I am only doing this for you. I am not doing this for the people here, because if it was just for them, Lord, I would not be here. But because I want to honor you, I'm willing to do this. How many times in your life would you say, Lord, the only reason I'm doing this is for you? The only reason I'm sacrificing, and I'm loving this person, and I'm laying down my life, and I'm stretching myself... Is for you. Because, Lord, if it was just to impress others, it would not be happening here. And there's something powerful when you say, Lord, I'll I'll do this. And the reason I'll do this is because you're Lord of my life. There's power in doing what God wants you to do. I remember lying in bed that night when I got baptized. And all the struggles and all the, you know, things that I was dealing with as a 17-year-old young man. I remember just thinking, you know what? Today I did what God asked me to do. And I felt like God was proud of me. What a great feeling. You know what? The Lord's pleased with me. Because I did exactly what the scripture said. It wasn't easy for me. Challenged me. Pushed me. It was hard for me. But he's Lord of my life. And so that's why I do it. Water baptism is important. It's not something you have to feel. But it is something that we need to do. Mark 16, 16. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Water baptism is not, you know, what's going to save your soul. We're all saved by the grace of God. In fact, many people have been baptized in water, and they're not even living for God. The water doesn't somehow supernaturally clean you uh, when you go underwater. But it is a moment of saying, Lord, I'm joining with your church in obedience. I'm dying to myself coming up out of uh, the earth, a new creation. I'm going to live for you and die to myself. I'm going to confess to anyone who can see this and hear me that I I love you and I'm living for you. In our church, we don't baptize um, babies because it's hard for a baby to repent and be baptized. Um, So we let them get old enough where they understand their own repentance. And maybe you have never made that decision because you have repented. And if that's true, I'm going to encourage you to get baptized. Next Sunday night, we're going to be at the lake. Our church is going to be down there baptizing people. It's going to be powerful, it's going to be rugged, it's going to be authentic. Um, I'm looking forward to that moment. In fact, uh, in, I think it was May 31st at Pirate's Cove uh, down there in California, 4,100 people got baptized on one uh, Saturday. This was just less than two months ago. Like the place of the Jesus movement in the late 60s, early 70s, like people are flocking back there and getting baptized again. Like maybe the Spirit is, is stirring something uh, in humanity. Greg Laurie uh, telling his story, and it's re-inspiring a new generation that doesn't even know the story and we'll be baptizing people out in the lake as well. Um, some have asked, well, will you go to heaven if you're not baptized in water? Well, the thief on the cross, Jesus turned to him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. So obviously he wasn't baptized in water because he was dying. Some people ask, you have to take a bunch of classes? Well, it's probably good to understand what you're doing. But if you read the Bible... There was a man who was riding in a chariot with Philip he was called the Ethiopian eunuch and after he heard the gospel he said look here is water as we travel by it uh, why shouldn't I be baptized and I've always loved how he says that he's a brand new believer he sees water he goes why shouldn't I be baptized and Philip doesn't say well because you haven't taken the 12 courses yet Philip goes well I guess we'll climb down and baptize you right here right because your heart is ready your heart is pure your heart is broken over your own sin and you want to get baptized Perhaps more than anything, I think about this group during the Reformation. I studied some church history, and I came across a group of people called the Anabaptists. Has anybody ever heard of the Anabaptists? Like the word Anna means again. And so they read the Bible, and and today their view is not crazy, but it was very eccentric at the time. And and they read about repentance, and they said, you know, um, if we were baptized as children, we need to get baptized again, because we need to do it because we've repented. And the church leadership, was so against these rebel rousers during the Reformation, they took some of them to the river and they said, do you want to get baptized a second time? We'll baptize you a third time. And they drowned these people. They martyred them because of their belief that you could get baptized by someone who wasn't a church leader and you needed to get baptized because your heart was repentant, not because you were raised you know, in faith. Incredible. Why should you get baptized? If you've repented of your sins and you're living for the Lord, nothing is stopping you. I, I baptized a woman one time. She, uh, she came to our church, and she said, I'm in a wheelchair. I can't be immersed in water. I said, there's nothing magical about that. If you can do it, that's great. And um, she actually was like maybe in the second or third row in a chair. And, uh, and I think we just did it right there. And we said, you know, we'll pray over you as if we were immersing you in, in a lake or a water baptism tank or whatever, and we'll just pour water over you. And we prayed, and we just poured the water over her. It just ran down her head, her shoulders. And, uh, and I remember thinking, well, you know, there's going to be a water baptism like you know, a month down the road, and she said, no, I don't want to wait. Six days later, she died. And I remember thinking, you know what, this gal with all of her disability, in a wheelchair, said, I need to get baptized, and I can't wait. And we stopped what we were doing, and we baptized her. And then she went to eternity with less than a week. It was powerful. When you get baptized, it's something like this. God, when I decided to follow you, when I raised my hand, when I prayed that prayer, when I invited you into my life, When I got on my knees, or when I was in my car and I called out to you, Lord, that day when I decided to follow you, I meant it. I meant it, Lord. And as I get baptized, I'm confirming my stance. It wasn't just an emotional moment for me, it's not a flippant decision. I really want to live a repentant life. I want your forgiveness. I'm sincere about following you. And broken as I am, I want to be a true disciple. So, Lord, today I'm going to go under the water, leaving the old life behind. I'm ready for the new life with you. Isn't that beautiful? That's water baptism. And so I want to just challenge you today to repent of your sins. And if you haven't been baptized, get baptized in water. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. And I'm not going to ask you to repeat after me out loud, but I'm going to pray a prayer, maybe you might just, in your spirit, Just agree or repeat it in your mind. Lord, today I repent of my sin. I choose to turn away from that which separates me from you. I'm sorry. I need you. Please forgive me. It's time to go the other way. Lord, I need your help. I need your grace. And so, Lord, we're going to just take a few minutes and ask that you would speak to us. Lord, purify our hearts, cleanse us from the inside out. Let it be a sincere cry of our heart, not something we're supposed to do, but something that is sincere in our lives. God, we need you. And we want to be obedient and honor you human as we are would you take a few minutes and just let the lord speak to you maybe sing a little bit maybe just rest in god's presence hmm. find gold and they would take it to the refiner's fire. They would heat that rock up and the dirt and the grime would rise to the top and the impurities would rise to the top where they could be removed and be left with pure gold. Let's pray that over our lives today. Lord, there are impurities that work their way into our lives. Lord, today we pray, God, that you would Take away the dross. Take away the impurity from our lives. Lord, let our lives be pleasing to you. We're not trying to please the world. We're certainly not trying to please ourselves. You gave us life. You're the only one that can heal us from the real sickness of our sin. God, today we repent of our sin and turn to you. Lord, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And Lord, some of us today, we need to make that very powerful decision. I'm being baptized in water because I choose to. Because I'm a follower of Jesus. And I don't think I'm somehow holy or perfect on my own. And God, for that person who's here, maybe, Lord, it's a difficult decision for them. For some it's not, but for some it's very stretching and hard. God, give them the courage to do what's right in your eyes, regardless of any hurdles they may face lord we love you we need you and we live a continually repentant life with your help in jesus name and everybody said amen aren't you glad you came to church today man what a great day great spirit here in church um don't miss next week it's gonna be fantastic last week indoors and uh listen if you haven't been baptized there's a table in the lobby stop by that they'll answer your questions to get you all set up all right god bless you